Yes, yes, back in the whip. Currently entering the Manhattan Bridge. Car Sessions, New York City. I am your host, Javi. If you're not familiar with Car Sessions, New York City, this is something a little bit different from the sports report. I'm literally in my car, commuting, or heading somewhere, wherever I'm going, and I'm discussing a few things sports-related, sometimes not sports-related, just hollering at my people as I get where I gotta go, you know what I mean? This week in sports, you know, I love the NFL season because that's when the stories start picking up. You know, that's that's when the agenda game really starts getting crazy. And then when the NBA season rolls around and you have both NFL and NBA at the same time, you get to get all all the takes, all the different agendas from the sports minds all over the country. So, the first major feeding frenzy of the NFL season is upon us. Beckham Norman 2. This feels like a heavyweight title fight. I got. I gotta be honest with you. Heavyweight title fight. Um. But I get this. This. This feeling, people. I'm getting this feeling, y'all. That Beckham Norman Two is not gonna live up to the hype of Beckham Norman One. So now y'all looking around like, what you mean by that? Like, on what grounds could you possibly say that? Well. Odell Beckham said something in the media yesterday that, that kind of gave away everything that we all needed to know about what was going to happen with this matchup. And that's what he said was, Josh Norman is going to try to play the mental game with him. He's going to try to get into his head, much like he did a year ago. Even though I'm up to believe that it was less about Norman and more about the drop. The, the what was the damn near 80-yard touchdown pass that he dropped which then led to the Norman talk, which then led to him deteriorating, which then led to him getting reinvigorated and catching the game, game tying touchdown. But for Odell Beckham to know heading into the game that this is what Josh Norman is gonna do, this is how Norman is gonna approach it. Odell Beckham is letting you know that he's aware of his adversary. He's aware of what's in front of him. And I gotta believe that he's mentally prepared for whatever Josh Norman throws his way. Odell Beckham, I think with the suspension and in this particular offseason, Odell Beckham got a first-class master class in what his celebrity actually is. He knew he was a big deal. Don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham, for the time he made that play against Dallas on Sunday Night Football, the three-fingered catch, people call it one-handed, he caught it with three fingers. He was a star. But I don't think he understood the magnitude of his celebrity until this offseason doing the uninterrupted joints on Bleacher Report. Just listening to him in the media, listening to the way he speaks, and now how he's carefully choosing his words. Uh, granted, he bit the bait a couple of times with Norman, but I really feel like he was trying to play the mental game with Josh Norman in the offseason. Odell now knows who he is and what he means to Giants football and what he means to the NFL. Coming into the league, his look is very unique. You know, he's real flamboyant, but at the same time, He's a star. Antonio Brown might be the best receiver in the NFL, but he's not a bigger star than Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is box office. If this was basketball, he'd be a superstar on the NBA team. That's what I'm trying to get at here. It's a different kind of ball game now. So I expect Odell Beckham to go in there and make plays. 
I honestly expect the Giants because McAdoo, people, you know, they, they make fun of the way he looks. He's a funny looking guy. I'll admit that. You know, the mustache, the, the, the chubbiness. You know, <laughs> I, when, when he became the Giants coach, I was worried that the players wouldn't take him very seriously and he couldn't lead men. But then I saw him get in to the face of a tight end. What, 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 is, our, what is our tight end's name again? Whatever his name is. Number 84 on the Giants. I don't even like the guy, to be frank. But the fact remains was he missed an assignment. And he got in that tight end's face. Larry Donnell. He got in Larry Donnell's face. And he ripped him. And that's what I wanted to see. I, you look very unassuming. But when he actually speaks and you listen to him, he's a man. You understand? And something about that bravado that I saw and I hear lets me believe that whether the, the play works or not, early in that game, Giants fans, expect it. Expect the bomb. Expect probably the same post route that Odell dropped last year. Expect that same route early. Probably the second or third play of the game. I'm guaranteeing that. Don't let it how you know, Jarvis, with you in the huddle. You got, you got the playbook. You got the game plan. I don't. I, I, I really don't. But I just, I just see the mentality of this coach. He's not Tom Coughlin. This guy, this coach wants to kill. He comes to the Mike McCarthy tree. He's gonna try to kill. And and he, everybody understands the magnitude of Beckham Norman too. So within the second or third play, expect a a shot attempt. That's what we're gonna call it. The Giants are gonna call a shot for Odell to set the tone, and we'll see what happens from there. So now I'm, you know, I'm talking a lot about Odell Beckham. Y'all gonna be like, yo, well, it's Josh Norman. What about Josh Norman? Why are you talking about Odell? It's clear you're a Giants fan, y'all. You're right. I am a Giants fan. <laughs> I don't care. Yo, Flatbush side note, Flatbush looks crazy right now. I see my man with the halal truck. I guess, I guess business is booming today. Is is it's kind of late for the halal truck to now be going in. But I digress. Um, I think Josh Norman is in more trouble. Of having a mental breakdown when it comes to whatever happens with him and Odell Beckham. Because just reading the comments and listening to the comments that he has made during the offseason, even after the game, bleep him, bleep his whole setup and all that extra stuff that he was saying about Odell Beckham. He really dislikes this guy. You know, or 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 they putting on, like I said in the past, maybe this is a fake beef, who knows? But if it's real, he really dislikes this guy. I have also said that I believe that Josh Norman is a little insecure because at the end of the day, a lot of his contemporaries, a lot of his peers, they don't respect him. Odell doesn't respect him. A lot of receivers don't respect him. Why? You look, look at how Victor Cruz is speaking about him because it's not like he was an established name. He he wasn't prime time. He wasn't a dude who was dope from day one who was waiting to get paid. Who? Yeah, as a football fan. Who can honestly say outside of Carolina knew who Josh Norman was and the caliber of his play before last season, before he became the hottest cornerback in the world? Who knew? He had a big year. He popped in the contract year, which is always the right thing to do if you can control that. And he got paid. But then he got paid by the Redskins. And at the end of the day, the Carolina Panthers kind of shunned him. The Carolina Panthers didn't fight to keep him. They was like, yo, if you want that much money, go ahead. Go let, let somebody else pay you. And, of course, the team that always pays everybody, the Redskins paid him. So now you think about that mentality, that, that disrespect, that chip on his shoulder, the way he carries himself, how demonstrative he gets at times when he gets very emotional. I feel like I, I'm more concerned about how he's going to handle Odell. Is he going to try 
Is he going to try extra hard to get under Odell's skin and in the process possibly getting a 15-yard flag because he was doing a little bit too much? You see what I'm saying? And, you know, people want to talk about how Odell speared him. You know, he, Odell got suspended. All right, that did happen. But let's not forget that early in that game, the, the tone setter for that game was the belly-to-belly -belly suplex that Josh Norman put on Odell Beckham. Nobody talks about that anymore because they remembered everything else afterwards. But the tone setter for that was a belly-to-belly -belly suplex from Josh Norman to Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham dropped the short touchdown pass, and he lost his mind for two and a half quarters. This is an actual fact. If NFL Network, which I believe they will do, show a replay of that game with the Panthers and the Giants, you will see what I'm talking about. I'm not making any of this up. Remember, although it's cost such as New York City, the fact remains that what cost such as job here as a sports show, as a talk show, is to tell you exactly what happened. There is no narrative at cost such as. I'm not pushing that angle here. I'm telling you what it is. Josh Norman... It's more susceptible as Sunday to pulling a stunt to get himself in trouble than an Odell Beckham. I'm telling y'all, don't be surprised if a flag comes out and it's against Josh Norman because Norman is going to be too pumped up. He's going to be he's going to be following Odell. Uh, so they say going to be following Odell Beckham around the field outside of the slot. And we're going to see what, how it plays out. But I'm a little concerned for Josh Norman. So now here's the deal. The Washington Redskins are 0-2. They need a win. Again, I, I didn't really think much of the Redskins coming into the season. I, I, they weren't a mind-blowing division winner to me a year ago. Like I always say, and I keep repeating it every time I talk about the Redskins. Somebody was supposed to win that division. Somebody had to win that division. You can't just leave a team out of the playoffs. Somebody had to win. And look at this person, side note. Blew the red light and got caught in an intersection because people decided they weren't going to respect this light blowing and <laughs> crossing the street. Yo, where the cops at? This is the time when the cops need to do their jobs. Outside of out here taking the lives of people, uh, unarmed people, they need to be writing moving violations for all these cars who don't know what they're doing and do BS like get caught in the intersection because they wanted to blow a light. That's what you need to be doing. Writing more tickets and taking less lives. Yes, I took it there uh, on a, a hard left turn. Write more tickets and stop killing unarmed people I'm, I'm seeing something today in St. Louis that an officer took the life of a suspect and they tried got caught on camera trying to plant a weapon on the suspect. Are we? I understand that this happens, but it's like, come on, y'all. Like I said a month ago when this Colin Kaepernick deal broke out. Until we as a nation can appreciate the obvious and discuss the obvious without getting uncomfortable, we can't elevate. It's, it's blatant. It's flagrant and blatant things happening in front of you, but then Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and all the players raise their fists to take knees and it's a problem. Oh my God, what about the troops? What about this and that? Respect the flag. It's not about that. It's about showing that, listen, it needs to be a stand. America needs to be a little embarrassed with themselves so that we can improve ourselves. Why do I say that? Because I, as an adult, I know if somebody points out a flaw to me about myself, and it embarrasses me I do what I need to do To improve upon that flaw See what I'm saying I do what I need to do To improve upon that flaw So the only way America can improve Is if we keep pointing out the fact That the race issues in America Is an extreme flaw But boy I just went on a sharp tangent My bad y'all But I just felt like that needed to happen 
But anyway, enough about the fool in the intersection. As I was saying, somebody had to win the NFC East. It just so happened to be the Redskins. The Redskins are in desperate need of a win. But then the Redskins do something that was so foolish to me and is indicative of a losing team. You put out on a what on a Wednesday that Josh Norman is gonna it's gonna basically trail Odell Beckham all over the field. He's gonna follow him on each side of the field except for the slot. Why in God's name would Redskins brass think it's a good idea <laughs> to point out a quarterback receiver matchup in the middle of the week? This is why I gotta label it. Norman Beckham too Because things like this just doesn't happen But schematically That's completely asinine Because now if I'm the Giants and I'm Bob McAdoo I'm going to have Odell Beckham in the slot Just on the off chance oh, you, you don't want to put your best cover guy in the slot Against the best player on the field Oh let's put him in the slot then 1 plus 1 equals 2 right <laughs> 1 plus 1 clearly equals 2 I'll put an Odell Beckham in the slot for 50% of the time he's on the field just because the Redskins are stupid enough to blow up the spot about what they're not going to do against Odell Beckham. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yo, this is why the Redskins are 0-2. This is why Jay Gruden is, is, is it a, he's an abomination, an embarrassment, a complete fraud as a head coach. You threw RG3 under the bus as long as RG3 was under your tutelage And now he's gone And you look like a buffoon uh, Kirk Cousins didn't improve in the offseason Isn't that your job, coach? To make sure the players get better And you put players in better positions to win? Yeah. yeah. Who who gonna put you in a better position to be a better coach? You better get that microphone ready, Jay Gruden You about to be a TV personality real soon But anyway Enough about that matchup Like I said, I'm, I'm, I think Odell Beckham is prepared. I think we're going to be a little disappointed with what we've seen in that matchup because I don't expect the fireworks of the first game because Odell Beckham has already told you he knows what's coming. The surprise would be for Odell is that Josh Norman doesn't say a word to him. <laughs> that that would make things interesting. But anyway, another thing that I saw, I didn't I didn't get to cover this on a sports report because I didn't want to. I I knew I had a second show coming during the week, and I felt like this was a better forum. Cars such as New York City, we could keep it a little more real here. So you know, it's a little less sports, a little more opinion. But uh, former player Ebron Britton has admitted that at times he played stoned as an NFL player. So he was high on the field. And you already know, that raises red flags. Oh my God, he was smoking marijuana. He was smoking. What about the kids? What kind of example is that as a former player that he was high on the field? So it's like, you know, I don't understand, man. It's like, why are we still talking about weed, man? Like, why they, you know what? All right, here's the deal. I understand that weed isn't legal in all states and and it's still a taboo subject and it's, it's you know when you deal with marijuana you can also come across marijuana that's been laced with other chemicals that makes it a little bit more than just herb I get that once again for for the record I am not a weed smoker I'm just not a person who's anti-marijuana you understand what I'm saying 
There's leagues around here, as I spoke about in the past, that don't even test for like for weed. Uh, Major League Baseball and the NHL don't test for weed. They don't test for marijuana. But the blacker sports, NBA and the NFL, they test for marijuana. I don't I don't quite look at this guy trying to cut me off. I'm about to box him in. Sorry, guy. You're not cutting me off, pops. <laughs> I'm a professional driver. I does this. You telegraphed it. Anyway. I feel like in the NFL, of any sport, alongside hockey, the two most physical sports, players should be allowed to smoke. It's 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 clinically proven that marijuana is relaxing. It helps people deal with pain. But but you're out here tested for weed and you're doing a whole bunch of this and that. Like I, at this point, I, you know, you got players who in suspension and in drug programs that can't get on the field because they got a marijuana program. Like again, I'm not a weed advocate. I'm not I'm not out here waving the weed flag. I'm just a realist about what marijuana is. And I wish more people around would be be more realistic about weed. It's not cocaine. It's not PCP. It, it's not heroin. It's not. The, it's not nearly on those levels of drugs that really deteriorate you as a human. And I believe that the NFL at this point needs to start taking steps towards possibly eliminating that test from their protocol. It's not like like come on, guys. Players getting suspended because they smoked or they can't stop smoking. You 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 got this former player saying he played stone and people are outraged and all this and that. And I'm gonna tell you right now, half the people or not more than half, 85 percent of the people who are outraged has tried weed at some point or the other. They understand what it is, but then they they get real hypocritical because you know our country has become so in, in this in the 2000s. We've become so politically correct that people don't keep it real anymore. In the 80s and the 90s, even the early 2000s, it was a lot less PC than what it is right now. People, are, A lot of people out here are faking the funk about what, what they think about marijuana. Behind closed doors, they'll smoke the hell out of a joint. But if you get asked a question, they, they give you the, the company line, oh, marijuana's bad, say no to drugs, you know? <laughs> but I just believe that with the softening stance in certain states around this country, it's time for professional leagues to start being a little more forward thinking about what they test for. I feel like the league should be focusing more on steroid use and hard drugs and hard substances as opposed to marijuana. That's what I believe as of right now. And I'm not sure when that's going to change. It's, it's comical to me, man. It's kind of ridiculous. Another situation where it's a little too PC is that I saw... <laughs> the Rutgers athletic, the Rutgers athletic director, got off a jet. You know, was hanging out with the players, on camera, chugging some beer, and then when it got out, he had to go and apologize for chugging some beer with college students. Like, oh, I, 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 this is what it is now. If you you're an athletic director, you can't you can't hang out with your players. You can't have some beer with your players. You got to apologize for that. That's where we are now. So not so not rules violations and, and cheating to get certain players on the field and having sanctions. You can't, you can't have fun with the young players that you get to play for free and put their bodies on the line for you at all. 
can't drink with them, but you can't cheat to get better players. You can't do anything. And when you do drink, you gotta apologize for it. Like oh, this is what we doing. Like that's it's a problem for me that we 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 can't chill. Like whatever happened to chilling? You know what I mean? What happened to chilling? Chances are everybody in that room in that in that picture in that video we're all adults. You want to create an environment on campus to where players can come and they don't have to be sticks around the people who are in charge. You want to have a more inviting environment. It doesn't have to be a regular thing where the AD is constantly partying with the players. It could be a once in a while where, you know what, I ask you to come, like I said just now, put your bodies on the line, play for free, or, or play just for a, a free college, free education, and, and really terrible meals that they get. So let me, let, me, let me let my hair down, let me relax, let me button these few top buttons on, on my dress shirt and have a beer with my players. I shouldn't have to apologize for that. That's really how I feel. I shouldn't have to apologize for having a real moment with, with, with my players, essentially. I am the head of the athletic department. And if I want to hang out with my players, then they can't go to the house. I can't give them a meal because that's a sanction. I can't have a beer with them either. They were like, come on, man. If I was our athletic director, I would not have apologized. They would have just had to be mad at me. They would have just had to have been mad at me because I'm not apologizing for having a fun moment with young guys, feeling young for a change. But anyway, I'm you know I'm getting real political here. I'm not talking too much sports. I ain't talking, you know, I'm I'm not having enough fun with y'all. I'm getting a little too serious with the weed and the, the, the drinking beer talk, race talk. I'm sorry, guys. But you know what? I have to keep it real. You're my passenger right now. I'm over the bridge. I'm in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? I saw something on Twitter. I saw something on Twitter that, <laughs> that made me LOL a little bit. There's <laughs> a Bronco fan arguing with some sports pundit on Twitter. About the fact that the Broncos In certain circles were chosen To, to be a, a bottom of the barrel team And through two games They're 2-0 and with a stout defense And they beat two playoff teams So I'm like wait a minute The Broncos aren't 7-0 and The Broncos aren't 10-0 and The Broncos aren't 15-0 and The Broncos are 2-0 and guys Why are you getting mad At a pundit for not giving you credit for winning your first two games at home to start the season. <laughs> you beat two playoff teams. To, oh, so this is the thing. It's like, come on, bro. Sports fans, like, y'all, y'all talk out of both sides of your mouths. Because in one breath, they would be like, you know what, last season was last season. We, we not focus on that. But when you want to base your argument in a strong sense, you, you mentioned the fact that they beat two playoff teams. If we've learned anything about the NFL is the fact that the NFL is a year-to-year league. With the exception of a handful of teams, more than half of the teams that make the playoffs in the NFL don't make consecutive appearances. They make it that year that we don't see them until the year after next or a couple of years. Or it could have been a one-and-done situation. Like, look at the Redskins. The Redskins might not make the playoffs this year. So, so what was the point, Twitter user, of mentioning the fact that they beat two playoff teams? Like, what good is that? It was some useless information. 
What's good as you? What, what what good is it that you are communicating on Twitter with a pundit looking for credit after two games? The Broncos weren't gonna go 0 16. The Broncos could easily lose the next four games to Trevor Simeon as a quarterback, and we could completely forget in a month from now that they were 0 2. <laughs> so Bronco fan on Twitter, pump your brakes, buddy. Maybe if y'all get the three and zero, maybe. Maybe you could get a little credit then. Maybe people will take notice then. But nobody believes you yet because your quarterback's name is Trevor Simeon. Did you forget that much? Lay off of Twitter for a second. Ease them Twitter fingers alone. Huh? Out here like Meek Mill tweeting, tweeting for respect. <laughs> Out here like Meek tweeting for respect. Not Wilder for respect. Tweeting for respect. We're 2-0. Golly G wins. We're 2-0. Where's our credit, Twitter? Can I get some credit, Twitter? <laughs> Come on, son. Man. Nostra Nave. Crown Heights. It's real calm right now. Traffic is real smooth. You know what? I think I need to start recording more. Every time I drive, you know, with the exception of some foolishness you see from New York City drivers, it's been real calm. I, I you know, I'm... <laughs> I can't complain about this lack of traffic. You know, it's keeping my, my nerves calm so I can talk to y'all. Got the shot glizzy in the background. Real smooth joint. You know, that dude did that. I'm so awesome record that I slept on. You know, I'm a I'm a hip-hop head. I love I love I love bars. I love lyrics. That's what I grew up on. But at the same time, I, I I've come to appreciate what this new wave is. Like you, you I don't like rap fans who who turn their ears off to the, to the new sounds They just want to hear the same thing they've been hearing For 25 plus years You know And it's like they, they, they kind of hypocritical Because What rap was in the 80s Is not what rap was in the 90s But those guys will tell you Oh you, yo, I love my new joints But I gotta appreciate the past And all this and that So why can't you love the new joints now And appreciate the past Why are the rules different for, for what rap is now As opposed to what rap was then Rap rap. Although like, the template is the same What the rules of engagement are Is the same It's still The sounds have always subtly changed Like again you, Rap in the late 70s In his infancy To rap in the 80s In the first golden era To the next golden era Of the early 90s To the shiny suit era To the Rockefeller Def Jam era The sounds changed the rules of engagement, the, the, the rules of engagement didn't change, but the sounds changed. So why can't the sounds change now? And we appreciate that. Why? Because a, a lot of the rappers aren't lyrical. Well, you know what? You gotta blame certain people that you held in high regard for that. A lot of y'all who love Puff in the late '90s and up until now, Puff can't rap, but y'all gave him a pass. People love Fifty, but Fifty didn't have bars like that. So now, because dudes are a little, a little too sing-songy, oh, no, I don't like it, I don't like it. You gotta... For this culture to, to remain what it needs to be in hip-hop, you gotta find a way to appreciate everything. Guys get mad at the dancing, but again, going back to the 80s, there was a lot of dancing in hip-hop, a lot of dance. If you wasn't dancing in the 80s, in the early 90s, you was a square. So now dancing is a problem because we spent so much time with... You know, trying to look as hard as we could Even though a lot of dudes were actually soft They weren't hard, but they just looked like they were tough That they forgot that hip-hop As much as it was about spreading the right kind of message It was about having fun too You know 
Damn, I don't went on another rant, y'all. Now I'm now I'm talking about hip hop. See see what's happening? Car stretches in New York City are going so many different directions. But yeah, let me let me get back. Y'all wanna hear some sports? Let's talk. Let's get back on the sports topic. I'm gonna get back to hip hop in a minute. But I wanna I want to talk about this Adrian Peterson situation. And I wanna tie in Jay Cutler to that. Yo, the internet. The internet in a 24-hour media cycle has kind of ruined sports. I've mentioned that in the past, and I gotta talk about it again. Certain sports fans have become so trusting. And you could tell that they, that they trust these these sports outlets, whether it be the internet or the 24-hour news cycles, that certain news stories can come out and they'll just eat it up without even questioning anything. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is... Adrian Peterson tore his meniscus. We knew that before he had the surgery. We knew that it was a meniscus tear and he would need surgery. Everybody was out here and some people were actually drinking a Kool-Aid about the fact that he might not even miss a game. When the, when the article came out, there was so much traffic generated to that article that y'all, you know, a large, a large, a large percentage of sports fans keep up what the media is because y'all fall for the clickbait every time. Like, listen... As soon as he, as soon as you heard torn meniscus, y'all should have known this man was in trouble. Y'all should have known this man was not gonna play. But because y'all drank a lot of the Kool Aid football is the man's man sport and it's a tough guy sport, it's a grunt sport, this, that, and the fourth. Yeah, ate it up. Yeah, he might play. You know, AP's a tough guy. He tore his ACL and he came back and he didn't lose a step. Um. Let me, let me simplify this for y'all real quick. Adrian Peterson is a running back. Yeah? Adrian Peterson needs his legs to be good at being a running back. Yeah? So if Adrian Peterson tears any form of a ligament in his knee, which compromises one of his legs in general, how can he be a competent running back? Why do I need to spell that out for y'all? As soon as you heard torn meniscus, y'all should have knew game was over right there and he was going to get shut down for at least a month. At least get the surgery done or get like the minor surgery and let's see where the chips may fall. But the fact that sports outlets felt comfortable enough putting out the hot BS about he might play this Sunday shows that you fans... Threw logic out the window and just trust what's being told to y'all as opposed to thinking for yourselves. He's a running back. He needs his legs to be effective. One of his legs became compromised by way of a torn ligament. There's no way he can play. What is he going to do? Run and fall? He can't cut? He can't burst? He can't accelerate? Come on, man. <laughs> Like, y'all killed me with that one. Like, when I saw that come out, I said, look at this clickbait. Look at this. Look at this. I went, I'm, I'm in fantasy. I just went and picked up his backup. I didn't even hesitate to wait for the surgery report. I went and I got his backup because it's a torn meniscus. He's not going to play. One plus one equals two. Oh, Phillip Rivers played with an ACL. Yeah, he did. He's not a running back. Look at this person. Stop stopping in the middle of an intersection on the turn. What are you doing? Yeah. 
Phillip Rivers played with ACL because he wasn't asked to run. He dropped back the pass, hobbled back the pass, I should say, and made his throws when he needed to make his throws, but they were horrible throws. Jeez. But all, all that remains is that he wasn't asked to run. He wasn't asked to cut. He wasn't asked to accelerate. Y'all killed me with that one. I was so disappointed that those networks felt confident enough to float that out there and knew it would generate traffic. Anyway, Jay Cutler now. Jay Cutler comes out of the game Monday night. Tuesday morning. Everybody's mad at Jay Cutler. Screaming Stephen A is mad at Jay Cutler. Everybody's bashing Jay Cutler, right? So now, Jay Cutler, his disposition, his moodiness, what he did in the NFC Championship game against the Packers a few years back where he took himself out of the game. I believe he had a knee issue or something like that. And he was riding a stationary bike as opposed to, to gutting it out like the, the trooper he was supposed to be as the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. He's been looked at in a negative light from sports fans ever since. And, and, and in sports, once you do something like that, it becomes perceived that that's who you are in general. And you'll need to do something extraordinary to live that down. Jay Cutler still hasn't done anything extraordinary to live that down. So when he takes himself out of the game Tuesday, you know, it brings up the bad feelings of what happened in the NFC Championship game, how, how he handled this business to the point where he, you know, he looks soft. So before... The, the, the news report can come out before any medical information can come out. Everybody's railroading Jay Cutler. Oh, Jay, 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 Jay. He's this, he's that. And then it comes out that he's been playing with a ligament issue in his throwing hand since before week one. Then even further, it comes out that he's going to be out for like two to three weeks, possibly four weeks. So I, I mentioned that to show, like, once again, this this is the sports outlets. Knowing that they can do whatever they want to do because they've earned the trust of most of their fans. And they could do something without any real knowledge of the situation. They didn't even wait for the medical report to come out. We can say Jay Cutler saw it because it'll generate traffic. Because he was shown to be soft in the NFC Championship game about four or five years ago. Well, I don't remember the situation with the NC Championship game, but I, I, I think I read or I heard that he was legitimately hurt that time. It comes out now that he was legitimately hurt and he was playing with an injury. He tried to play through an injury that was, should have kept him out a few weeks from the inception. But because he generates so much negative energy in his city and around you know sports fans as a whole, we can run with the fact that he's soft and he's not a good guy and we, and we don't have to worry about anything else. And then when it comes out that he's hurt, <laughs> it comes out that he's hurt, they don't even apologize to the man. They double down on the Jay Cutler bashing. What is he supposed to do? He can't throw. All y'all here putting out these tweets, all y'all out here on the message boards, on Facebook, in the media, killing Jay Cutler, killing him. And he was legitimately hurt. And he tried to play through it. And I bet he tried to play through it because he didn't want to hear the garbage about being soft again. So you put this man between a rock and a hard place. 
probably exasperated a hand injury trying to prove to y'all that he's not soft. <laughs> so you're out here hurting Jay Cutler. You're out here believing that a running back could play without a meniscus. Y'all just slipping this week, man. Y'all, y'all hurt. Y'all hurt my heart, sports fans. Y'all really did. Jeez, like that bumper right there. Like New York City, like the potholes in New York are the absolute worst. Like driving on the roads in New York now is almost like driving in an off-road terrain situation. Like if you don't have, like you gotta have the greatest shocks ever. <laughs> like the the shocks and strut business in New York City. Uh, mechanic shops have to be booming right now because it's just—it's not safe. I already lost a strut a few years ago. Messing with a—it was like a sinkhole on a highway. Who has like I'm on a Belt Parkway, right? And it was a pothole on a highway. Who like house way? <laughs> pothole. And mind you, the place is dimly lit, so I couldn't even see. It. Like I literally doing 60 drove right into it. Strut gone. Boom. Game over. Huh? Anyway, I also wanted to talk about, you know, this this whole rap situation. I went on a rap tangent earlier about appreciating what the culture is today and not losing sight of what what it was. Another thing about this culture and appreciation, what it is and what it was, is this whole beef with Meek Mill and the game. I thought, like I said last week, I would talk about it. I'll believe it more when the disc records are flying. We got three disc records in the weekend, and then Game decided with everything that's happening, you know, around the United States, that he wouldn't, uh, you know, pursue the whole Meek Mill thing anymore after talking to him. When he seen him, he's gonna beat him up and all this and that, right? But what was like? What was the point? What was the point of the beef in the first place? And this is what I'm talking about. In them days, you know. Whatever happened to a rap situation where rapper A wants to, to beef at rapper B because he believes that he's better than him. He wants the top spot. All of these beefs have these convoluted backstories that sound like soap operas, that sound like wrestling. I want to be heavyweight champion because you, you interfered in my title match last week. Like, come on, bro. Nobody knew about that Sean Kingston situation like that, like like I, it was it was barely news. All of a sudden, the game has an album coming out. Now Meek Mill supposedly snitched on him. Meek Mill did this with Nicki Minaj and Safari and all this and that. All of this love and hip hop nonsense happening in the rap beef, and within a few days, oh, I'm gonna stop doing it. Uh, now now I'm seeing that. That, that Russell Simmons is going to have a sit down with the game and Meek Mill. I didn't know the beef was that real. These guys is beefing on social media, putting out Instagram posts and disc records. Now they got to have a sit down. This ain't pocket big. Those dudes ain't got to worry about their lives. <laughs> like, but this is what I'm talking about with this culture, bro. These guys are better off sending each other a text message like, yo, you know what? I heard you did something. I ain't appreciate it. But because I got a record to sell, I want to generate news. I'm gonna do this, this, and that. So now they gotta have a sit down. So now you feeding into it even more. Like, yo, we 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 wanna stop the violence. We wanna do this. We wanna do that. Only for Meek Mill in a few weeks from now to drop a record talking about his roly and, and and whatever's going down in Philly in terms of violence. Like, come the like, come on. It's up to us as the consumers to put pressure 
on the entertainers to do things the right way. This almost feels like a loss for Meek because I thought Meek had a chance against the game. His, his return to the game's first disc, I felt like he won the first round. You know, I had a conversation, and, and because he, they said he had help, he had, you know, a, a quick cameo from Beanie Siegel and a verse that should have never been on there from his cohort that, you know, it, they got points taken off. He should have stood alone like the game stood alone. And I get that, but I guess I'm a literalist, so I was more focused on what Meek Mill said, and I feel like Meek Mill had better bars than the game, and, and he took that. The game drops to 92 bars come back. And I'm preparing for a Meek Mill returning all of a sudden the game wants to wave the right the flag. The, the game gets another beef and now he wants to squash it. Like this is all play play to me now. Again, it's like I'm I'm a, I'm a little frustrated with the culture in some respects. Like again, like I appreciate certain aspects of the hip-hop culture. But stuff like this, the way they use it in the, the conjured up beats as opposed to two men believing that one is better than I, I like how Kendrick came after Drake and all the other dope rappers in, in, in the uh in the freestyle record he had with Big Sean. He called everybody out and said he's coming for the top spot. Whatever happened to that? I respect it more if the game looked around at the landscape and said, you know what, I got an album coming out and I want to prove with this album that I'm the man. Let me go take a shot at Drake Kendrick. Me, whoever's, whoever's trending in rap, tell him I'm coming for the title. You know what I mean? Instead, he, oh, you're a snitch and you're this and you're that. Like, let me get out of here, man. I don't want, I don't, I don't want that for the culture. But anyway, y'all, little bit of everything tonight. I was gonna talk about, you know, a little relationship situation, like friendships and all of that. But I'll save that for the next conversation when we riding through New York City, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Car Sessions, New York City. You already know, the sports support will be on this Monday. We're going to be recovering from whatever happens with Beckham and Norman too, among other things that happen between now and when I get back to you. Until next time, love, peace, and hair grease. Ha!